Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Last week was a little more serious, deep, deep fake video. This week um, was a little more lighthearted of a deep fake video. And if you weren't here last week, we started a series called Deep Fakes. And we're talking about well, first we started with the deep fake videos, and they're talking about this one was funny, but some of them were a little more serious. Like there was one that came out with Barack Obama. Um, he was saying things that no like ex-president should ever say, very inappropriate. And a lot of people thought it was actually him. Um, so they're talking about how dangerous it can be that people can be duped and that people can be faked by these videos. So for the past, for last week, and then for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some of the deep fakes that our culture and that like I guess you could say the world around us is is trying to get us to buy into. So if you remember last week, we talked about this deep fake, and it's that if it's Christian, I can trust it. If it says Christian, I can trust it. And we talked about how not everyone who says they're Christian and not every uh, Christian you know, recording artist uh, that we can rely on to actually give us what's true. Tonight, we're getting kind of from the theoretical down into kind of the nitty gritty, and this is the deep fake that we're going to be talking about tonight, and it's this. Culture defines Gender. Uh, a lot of you have been asking me, like Matt, what, are we, what direction is this going? Uh, this lesson going to go? You had a few parents asking me, like, what are we going to be talking about tonight? Um, and we're going to kind of get into that. Um, but when we talked about it in, in our tag, and we we had some interesting uh, discussions in our tag, didn't we, guys? Uh, always do. Um, and I'm sure you did in your tag too. Um, but when we think about the term uh, gender, uh, I think a lot of us get some maybe really um, powerful. Uh, opinions on it. Uh, we talked about how, in, in our tag, how it seems like our culture is trying to erase even the concept of gender, guys and girls. But then on the other side, I've talked to students who feel like they don't maybe fit into, you know, yeah, I look around and I see people saying, you have to be a man and do this, and I don't feel much like that. And you girls that say, I, yeah, society tells me that girls have to do this, and I don't really feel drawn to that. So, who, who says what, what it means to be a guy and who says what it means to be a girl? And the fake, the lie that I believe that we're being told is that culture defines what it means to be a guy and what it means to be a girl and that culture defines gender. And I want to kind of illustrate it uh, through a, a series. And I've learned a long time ago as a youth pastor, pick on the guys, don't pick on the girls. So I'm picking on the guys tonight, okay? So what, what does our culture tell us? What are some examples of the things that our culture tells us that guys should be like, act like, look like? So I've come up with some guy personas that the culture tries to tell us that we should be. And the first is the Luke Bryan. Um, I just called it the Luke Bryan, and it's the, it's the bro country. I'm going to go, you know, take out a loan to buy a, 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 you know, a 2020 Ford Raptor, raise it up about five or six inches, put 35 wheels, buy some Affliction t-shirts, some cowboy boots, go squirrel hunting, deer hunting, coon hunting, fishing, frogging, mudding, noodling. And just be this, you know, outdoor guy and the more of a Luke Bryan kind of guy, which is kind of funny because he's like the girliest man ever. But um, yeah, the more Luke Bryan of a guy I am, the more of a man I'll be. So there's the Luke Bryan. Um, there's, there's some others. There's the Brad. Um, you may know Brad or you may know some of his other brothers, Chad, Thad. 
and lad. Um, but you know, yeah, I, 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 want, I gotta be, if I'm gonna be a man, I gotta be like Brad. I gotta go and I gotta buy a pair of Sperry's. Yeah, I gotta get some, uh, some Ralph Lauren uh, button-up shirts. Um, I've gotta go pay some people to be my friends at a frat house. And I have to, yeah, I'm gonna measure the, the, my, my maleness or my guyness by how many beers I can like hold down at a frat party and keg stands I can do and how many people I can sleep with on a Friday night. So that's the Brad. And then as we keep going through some of these, there's the jock. And I had to put a picture of Gronk on. I mean, when you, when you, when you think about a jock, when you think about a sports guy, I mean, you know, have you ever seen Gronk next to an, like even another NFL player? I mean, he just makes them look like ants. You know, so you to, the Gronk is, is society's way of telling guys, you know, you need to go to the gym. You know, you need to get on the sauce so that you can get bigger. You know, you're defined by how, many, yeah, how much you can put up on the bench, by how much you can squat, um, by how well you do in athletics. And if, you know, it, it, if, you, if, you're, if you're uncoordinated, you're definitely not a guy. Then we get into maybe some others. I have, um, I have on here the Elon Musk. And, you know, these are the guys that, these are the guys that wake up at 5 a.m. and they have a morning routine and, the, you know, and, and, and they're, they're planning on being an entrepreneur. They're going to buy properties. They're going to invest in real estate. They're going to build spaceships, um, you know, like, and, 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 you know, they get up and they listen to the Jocko podcast, right, Jordan? Uh, yeah, and and, and they're, they're all about being successful, being businessmen and making a lot of money. And they think that the money and the success are going to define them. So being a guy is going to be kind of like being like Elon Musk. And then on the opposite end of things, like remember for some of the others, there's the Sean Mendez. And it, you know, it, you're defined by how many girls want to go out with you, um, by how well you can position yourself with your acoustic guitar on Instagram, uh, you know, by what a smooth talker you are. So there are, if, as you can see, right, when, when you look to society about what it means to be a guy, first off, there are conflicting messages, right? Sean, the Sean Mendez and the Luke Bryan have very few things in common. So it's confusing, but it's also daunting. Because as guys, you know, you compare yourself to other guys, you compare yourself to the cultural icons, and then you look at yourself and you're like, you know, I'm not like Gronk, I'm like 5'2", 90 pounds soaking wet. I'm not coordinated, I can't play a guitar. I don't know the difference between a shotgun and a rifle. I don't feel very much like a man. And you, and you live in Italy, apparently. Now, I don't even want to, like I said, I'm not even going to get into, listen, listen, I'm not even going to get into the cultural expectations when it comes to being a girl. I'm not touching that with a 40-foot pole. But you know that just like there are for guys, there are probably exponentially more expectations when it comes to being a girl. So here's what I want to challenge you tonight when we're talking about gender, because you, people get, I believe, a lot of people get confused just because there are these unrealistic expectations of what it means to be a guy and what it means to be a girl. So here's what I want to challenge you, whether, whether you feel like you don't fit into a few to those categories because it's all so crazy, or whether you feel like you can't measure up, or whether you're looking at other people who don't fit into the categories that you fit into and you're thinking, what's wrong with them? I want you to get your definitions from God and not from the culture. So tonight, you're not going to get my opinion on gender. And I don't need your opinion on gender. What we need is God's truth on gender. So if you have your Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start there. We're not going to stay there. But as we look at the history of guys and girls 
It's actually really interesting. And if you'll notice, as I, we go through these, you know, I'm, I'm, I have the, the, the male terms highlighted in blue and the female terms highlighted in pink. And I realize that the blue and pink thing is kind of a social construct and it's not really what well, God doesn't say that guys have to like blue and girls have to like pink. That's just a social thing, but that's what I used. So in Genesis chapter one, we're gonna see the first guy and the first girl. So let's read Genesis chapter one, verse 26. At this point, God has created the world and it's perfect and he's put animals on it and birds and fish, sun, moon, stars, plants, trees, shrubs, all that good stuff and now it's time to make humans. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image. And I need to stop there and point something out. This word man in Hebrew is the word Adam. And that word Adam doesn't necessarily mean man, it means human. There would later be a man named Adam, but right now when you see this word man, it's the Hebrew word Adam, and it just means mankind, humankind. So you could almost read verse 36, and God said, let us make humans in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man, that's that humans, Adam. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, there's the first There's the first reference. Male and female, he created him, and God blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds and every creeping thing that lives and moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed on the face of the earth that you shall have for food, and to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I've given every green plant for food, and it was so, and God saw everything he made, and behold, it was very good. So the first thing that we learn from Genesis chapter one is that God made guys and girls equal. God made guys and girls equal. And just saying that is countercultural in many countries and going back through history it's countercultural because for thousands of years oftentimes there was a pecking order and, and men were considered to be the ones that were in charge and the big guys and the strong guys and, and women were considered to be second class citizens so from the beginning of time God's truth on gender has been countercultural But what's interesting, if you look at the words here in chapter one, verse 27, it says, God created man, which is Adam. You're just humans. God created humans in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The word for male is the word, and I like saying it in in Hebrew because you got the when you say it. It's the word zahar, which means male. That's like a biological term, if you get my drift. That's talking about how the different genders are plumbed. Male, Zachar. He made them male. Say, say that to somebody trying not to spit on them. Zachar, right? I'm never going to get you guys back now. You sound like a bunch of de- demented cats, okay? So listen, God created male, Zachar, and he created female, Nekava. That one's not quite as fun to say. So he, he's talking about he created a, ma- a male and he created a female. But what's interesting to me, and I underlined it, is how often the word them appears. 
And it reminds us how God created guys and girls equal. God created them in the same image, the same template. It says, God said, let us make humans, man, in our image and in our likeness. So guys and girls were both created in the image of God. Being a man doesn't make you any more like God. Being a woman doesn't make you any more like God. You were both created, guys and girls, in God's image. But you're also created by the same person. Who created male and who created female? God. Isn't that incredible? Some of us will pay ridiculous amounts of money for a shoe or for a shirt that was created by a particular company because they make awesome stuff. What does it say that guys and girls were created by the guy who makes the awesomest stuff? God. Or the most awesome stuff. Wrong superlative comparison. The most awesome stuff. God. Guys and girls, men and women were created for the same purpose. He says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, and have dominion over it. So God created men and women for this task of running the world. <laughs> no pressure, right? Uh, created for the same purpose, and they were given the same responsibility toward God. It talks about how God created every tree and every plant for them to eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were not to eat. So Adam had a responsibility to obey and please God. Eve, the female, had a responsibility to obey and please God. So do you see how God created guys and girls, men and women, male and female, equal? He made them to be equal. They both bear the image of God. We'll have to get into that afterwards, okay? We'll have that discussion. That's a good question, though. That's a really good question. So, guys and girls are equal. Already countercultural, right? The next point that we're going to see is that is equally countercultural is that God made guys and girls different. Genesis chapter 1 is kind of like a bird's eye view. It's the summary of how God created everything. Genesis 2, it's like... You know how, you ever flown like really high and then all of a sudden the plane goes way down and you feel like your stomach like being left like up in the stratosphere? It's, it, it's, it's like God in, in chapter two takes a deep dive to look at all the ways in which he created humans. And in chapter two, in that deep dive, we see it in verse 18 of chapter two. The Lord said, the Lord God said, it's not good that man, humans, should be alone. There should only be one gender. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord had formed every beast of the field and the bird of the heavens and brought them all to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man would call the living creature was his name. The man gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of heaven and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper for him. So God created the, the, the male first, and did God make a mistake here? Because it almost, you read it, and it's like God thought, oh, shoot, I should have made two of them, not one of them. Is that what God said? Why did God, why did God make one and then all of a sudden say it's not good for a man to be alone? God did this just for the same reason that he rested on the seventh day was to demonstrate to us not just our need for rest, but our need for both of the genders, our need for both male and female, guys and girls. So if you keep reading, it says in verse 21, the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on the man. That's why you guys are always so sleepy. So a deep sleep to fall on the man. 
You didn't even laugh at that. That's sad. A deep sleep to fall on the man. And while he, he slept, he took one of those ribs and closed up the place with flesh. And the rib that God had taken from the man, he, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last bone of my bone, flesh, on the fle- flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So remember, we, in, in Genesis 1, we have the biological definitions. We have, we have Zachar, remember? And we have Nekeva. Here, we have not just the biological definitions of a guy and a girl. In chapter 2, we have the gender definitions of a guy and a girl. The word for man is the word ish. Ish. Say ish. And the word for woman is the word isha. You see what it means? Isha means out of man or not man. So even the definition that God gives us of guys and girls says that there's a guy and then there's a girl and the girl is not the guy. It's, 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 a, very, it's a very distinct definition. So we see that God created both genders. He created them equally, but he created them different. And you say, how are guys and girls different? Well, you'll have to ask your parents about that. No, I'm joking. Aside from the obvious answer to that, the physical answer to that and the external answer, did you know it's very interesting I was looking, I was, I was doing you know, a little research and reading some medical reviews that the, that the neural mapping of guys' brains and girls' brains is different. From the age of 10 on, it can be, it can be, it can be measured and it can be, it can be observed that the neural mapping, the, you know, the way the, the brain gut works is different, that males' brains are structured to facilitate the perception between coordinated action and consequences. Females' brains are structured to um, you know, communicate between analytical and intuitive processing modes. That sounds very, you know, very confusing, but pretty much what it means is, is, that, is that guys are all about actions and the consequences that follow them, and, and, and girls are more oriented towards how those actions are going to play out down the road. So it, they, they work off of each other, but got, even on, on, a, on a brain level, on a biological level, guys and girls are different. So what does the Bible say about what God expects a girl to be like? And what does the Bible say what God expects a guy to be like? Does God say every guy has to be a Luke Bryan? Every guy has to be a Brad or one of his brothers, Chad, Thad, or Lad? I want to real quick take a deep dive into what God, how God defines female, woman, girl, and guy. So we're going to start with the girls. I thought it'd be best start with the girls. Girls first, always right. And I call the girls, if you, the mighty Isha. Sounds, sounds powerful, right? Sounds strong. And, and it should sound strong because in Proverbs chapter 31, you can turn there if you want. We, we, don't, we obviously don't have a whole lot of time to spend there. But in Proverbs chapter 31, we see that God defines what the ideal girl, the ideal woman would be like. And it has to do more than spiritual. Um, and in verse 10 of thir- chapter 31, it says, an excellent wife who can find. And that's kind of an unfortunate way that the ESV translates it because the word actually is the word hail isha. And a better translation would be a mighty woman. So in this chapter, that's about the ideal girl or what God expects from girls. He expects, it starts out by talking about the mighty woman. It's the same phrase that we remember when we were in Ruth a couple weeks ago, that Boaz says to Ruth when he says, you are a worthy woman, Hail Isha. Here in Proverbs 31, it says, a mighty woman who can find, she's more precious than jewels. It talks about all the things that this ideal woman does. She works. She's a businesswoman. 
She's kind toward others. She's a teacher. She's family-oriented. She makes business transactions and purchases. All of these things, it's interesting, many of those things were illegal for women to do in the Hebrew culture in which this was written. That's how countercultural the Bible was. And in verse 25, I think the best summary statement says it like this, strength and dignity are her clothing. In a world that tries to make women look weak, and in a world that seems to try to rob girls of their dignity, the Bible says that women are defined by strength and dignity. And look at some of the examples in the Bible. Yeah, I've heard, I don't know if you've heard the expression, well-behaved women rarely make history. And I believe the Bible backs that up. Because every story you see of these mighty women, these mighty Ishas, are women who challenge cultural norms, lived with strength and dignity. Think about the story of Ruth. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Think about the story of Esther. She said, I will go to the king even though it's against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Think about Deborah, Deborah, who drove a tent peg through the enemy leader's skull. Strength and dignity is how God defines a woman. So let's look at the guys. Who should we compare the guys to? Who's the best embodiment of what it means to be a male? Not, somebody said me. <laughs> Kudos to you. No, Jesus. Jesus came to earth as a male, and through his example, we can learn about what God expects a man to be. And I think the, you know, the best way that they described Jesus, the way he came to earth, is that he was full of grace and full of truth. Look at some of the ways in which Jesus lived, and tell me they're not countercultural to the Luke Bryan, to the J Chad Brad Fadden lad, uh, to the Sean Mendez, and all those co comparisons that we made. Jesus showed emotions. John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. Yet he also chased crooks out of the temple. Jesus was not afraid to be emotional. He didn't hide behind his strength. Jesus cared for others and showed compassion. Jesus forgave and was humble. He was brave and he judged righteously. There's this term that goes around, toxic masculinity. Talks about how, how, how guys are, in you know, many ways, you know, guys are toxic in today's culture. And I don't necessarily disagree with it. But you won't find that in toxic masculinity in the Bible. The Bible condemns domineering, pushing your influence on someone. It condemns greed. It condemns workaholism. It condemns sleeping around. It condemns selfishness. And it condemns arrogance and vengeance. So you see how the Bible is very countercultural. When it comes to this, God created guys and girls equal. He also created them different. And you don't just have to take Moses' word for it in the Old Testament. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 19. He was asked a question about divorce and about guys and girls and getting married. And in chapter 19, verse 4, he says, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore shall a man, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And what's really interesting is first Jesus quotes Genesis 1 that gives the biological definition of male and female. And then he quotes Genesis chapter 2 which gives the gender definition of man and woman. And he brings them together to say a male is a man, a female is a woman, is an isha. And Jesus confirmed and affirmed what was said thousands of years ago. And it's interesting that he said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning 
made them male and female, that God's definition of what it means to be a guy and what it means to be a girl has never changed, even though thousands of years ago, it was way off in one direction, and now today it seems like it's way off in another direction. God's word has always been the same, and you can always rely on it. So the big question is, what happened? (laughs) What happened? If God created guys and God created girls, why is everything so screwed up now? Why are people so confused? And why do people feel like they can't live up to these crazy cultural definitions of what it means to be a guy and what it means to be a girl? You can look in Genesis chapter 3. Somebody said it. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 1, God creates male and female. Genesis chapter 2, God creates guys and girls. Genesis chapter 3, the guys and the girls, they screw it up and they sin. And in Genesis chapter 3, you can can even read read how, how that sin affects even the way guys and girls relate to each other, the way that guys and girls um, accept the way that God made them. So what do we do about this? <laughs> what do we do about this? Here's what we need to remember, is that God didn't just create men, men and women, guys and girls equal. God didn't just create guys and girls different. God created guys and girls in his image. Every guy and every girl bear the image of God. So here's a few things I kind of wrote down. If every guy and every girl bear his image, that means every guy and every girl should be treated with dignity. Even guys and girls who struggle seeing themselves in, as guys and seeing themselves as girls is they should be treated with dignity. If guys and girls both bear God's image, that means that being a girl doesn't make you any less of a person and any less of an image bearer of God than a guy. And what's sad is many Christians have taken some verses in the Bible that speak specifically just to a relationship between a husband and wife and specifically just to some roles in the church and have tried to make it like you apply it across all of humanity to say that guys are more important than girls and you will never find that anywhere in the Bible. That means that Jesus paid for the sins of every guy and every girl on the cross. That there's nobody that God can't save. Even though the effects of sin have made it hard to be guys and hard to be girls in our culture, we can look to what Jesus did for us. Every man and woman should be looked on with compassion because they are by Jesus. Maybe you're someone tonight that thinks, I don't really, you know, I'm a girl, but I don't really feel much like a girl. I'm a guy. I don't really feel much like a guy. It's, I've, I've been reading a lot of stories of teenagers who have struggled in this area. And these stories have opened my eyes about what a difficult time they're going through. You know what I believe Jesus would say to people who are struggling like that? I believe he would say what he said in Matthew chapter 13. Excuse me, Matthew chapter 11 when he said this, come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls. If you're experiencing that inner conflict, the place to run to is Jesus, where you can find rest for your souls. And I think we should also remember that even though you're a guy and even though you're a girl, you're ultimately defined by something even bigger than your gender. Because Galatians chapter three, verse 28 says it like this. There is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free. There is no male nor female for you are all 
one in Christ Jesus. Does that mean that every gender category is like totally eliminated? No, what it means is that compared to who we are in Jesus, our race, our economic status, and even our gender take second place because there's nothing more important than being a child of God. So let's let God, not culture, make our definitions. We need to get our definitions from God, not culture. So what do we do with this? Like, how do you apply a lesson on gender? <laughs> like, that's kind of a confusing thing. The good news is I've got some F words for you that have to do with gender. You knew I had to bring out the F words. We're talking about gender. Okay, so the first F word is this, feast. Feast on God's word daily. Isn't it interesting that something as controversial as gender is so clearly explained in the Bible? What would happen if we spent every day with Jesus in the Bible? Do you think some of the questions, some of the inner conflicts, some of the things that, that we see going around us, we think, man, I don't think the Bible speaks to that. You think our eyes wouldn't be opened and we start realizing, wow, God talks about this. Wow, God clarifies this. Wow, God really frees things up here. We have to feast on God's word daily. Um, the next is that we have to find our identity in Christ. Uh, we have to find our identity in Christ. No matter how hard you try, you're never going to be a Luke Bryan. No matter how hard you, I mean, I don't know why you'd want to be, but you know, no, no matter how hard you try, you can't be like that, 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 that example of a, of, of, the, of a female that you idolize or that people try to make you into. You can only find your identity in Jesus the culture doesn't get to set expectations and doesn't get to define you. The mean girls at school don't get to define whether you're a guy or a girl. You know, the jocks at school who laugh at you because you stink at PE don't get to tell you whether you're not a man or whether, you know, whether you're struggling. God tells you who you are. Get your identity and your definitions from God. And the final thing is feel compassion toward people who struggle with identity. I think this is a challenge for us as a church, as Christians, is to look, is looking at people. You, you, your parents probably never went to school with anyone who, who, who called themselves trans. Your, your parents probably never went to school with someone who outwardly identified with you know, the struggle that they were going through. But you do. Many of you do. And we need to stop seeing people who are struggling in this area as the enemy we need to stop seeing them as a threat and we need to start looking at them with the compassion that Jesus would look at them with. Jesus sent us on a mission to tell people who are struggling, come unto me, all you are weary and you're heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus has given that mission, given us that message and that mission to take to people who are innerly conflicted just like the people that we're trying to reach. We need to feel compassion toward people who struggle with identity. They're not our enemy. The Bible says we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. People who are struggling in this area, people who are, who are going through the trans thing, they're not our enemies. They're people who God has called us to reach. So we need to feel compassion toward these people. We need to show them the love of Christ. We need to love them. So you may say, wow, Matt, that was a pretty heavy, uh, heavy lesson, and I've got, like, lots of questions. <laughs> like, 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 I have a, a, a notes app full of questions now. I want to put this final slide on, and this is the number for the teen, the teen helpline. Um, if you have a question, if you need someone to pray for you, um, text that number. That number goes directly to my phone, and if you're a girl, I'll get you hooked up with one of our female leaders. Um, if you're a guy, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll talk back and forth with you and do my best um, to try to point you to God's word, um, to pray with you, um, to, to, to feel compassion on you. So I don't want you to feel like you're alone. 
And I tried my best to explain and to clarify as much as I could. And I hope what I said came out the right way. And I hope you know my heart. And I hope you know that I'm not trying to be condemning and that I'm not trying to be you know, real strict where the Bible's not strict, but I tried to just give you what the Bible says. And if you have questions about it, if you need me to clarify something, if you were offended by something I said and maybe I didn't say it the way I wanted to, uh, please reach out. We are here for you. Uh, so I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna make like a baby and head out of here. So let's pray. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.